0: It is your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy MEA Week weekend to all those who celebrate and to all those who curse this time of year where there's these days off for your kids and you're trying to scramble and figure out what exactly you're going to do with this extra time. Hopefully you turn it into something magical, something extraordinary. We're hoping to do that uh, in our household, make things make things fun, make make life uh Make life good. Make it make it a, a worthwhile time off. But uh, I know it can be a little bit stressful for some parents. So I hope that for you and for everybody else, this can be a pleasant diversion from from that. Um, good show coming up. Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune covers Gopher football. Will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about the Iowa game coming up, the opportunity for the Gophers, but also the struggle so far this season. Um, by some measures, by some opinion one of the more disappointing teams in college football this season, especially coming off of the years that they've had in the past. Maybe that's a reflection of where P.J. Fleck has brought this program or the the achievements they have had over the past three to four seasons. But um, it's also a reflection of, of what's happened so far this season. I don't think anybody would say they have achieved to the level that anybody wants them to have achieved to so far. But an opportunity Saturday against Iowa to change that narrative. Um, some twin stuff at the end. Is this the end of Falveen? We'll get into that in uh, at the end of the show, as well as a uh, Minnesota United nugget towards the end about what, what could happen at the end of this season. Timberwolves thought here in just a sec, but first, what did I miss? Let's start with the Wild, because maybe, just maybe, I uh, jumped the gun a little bit in my worry about this team. I think the concerns are valid um, looking at this team and how they played in Toronto, the seven goals they gave up, how they looked against one of the elite offenses in the NHL. But we do have to remember this is the NHL. That was one of 82 games and that somewhere along the line not everything is going to go According to plan, we were reminded of that in their very next game last night. Five to two win over Montreal that felt very much more like the formula they want to use this season. Now, of course, the quality of competition went down considerably from Toronto to Montreal, but I felt I feel like this was more indicative of the wild team that they will try to put on the ice. For the vast majority of games this season. A, a team that's disciplined, a team that capitalizes on its chances, and a team that can score a variety of different ways. One of those ways, actually two of those ways, shorthanded. two shorthanded goals on the same penalty kill in the first period. When you do that, there is a very high percentage chance that you are going to win the game. De- goals from Dewey. Uh, Brandon Duhame, and uh, Connor Dewar had the had the two shorthanded goals right you know 15 20 seconds apart it was it was a, a sight to see uh, both of them on kind of rushes after turnovers in the in the wild zone skated him out, got him in there and they were kind of off to the races from there. A couple goals from Joel Eriksson eck and perhaps just as importantly as all of that, a Kirill Kaprizov goal. They spent a ton of the time on the power play and Marc-Andre Fleury gets the victory in his return to Montreal. Could be his last game there depending on what happens at the end of this season, but inching upward on the all-time wins list for the Wild. That was Marc-Andre Fleury's first start this season and he looked good doing it again only two goals allowed and steadying the wild after that seven goal game just a couple nights ago against toronto so what it means long term i don't exactly know sarah mcclellan had a really nice explainer in this morning's StartTribune.com, just kind of about why were the wild a man short in that game against montreal they won with only 11 forwards and kind of explaining the salary cap predicament they're in because of injuries explaining kind of where they're at Now that they've played a game like that, they've played a game shorthanded, they'll get some emergency relief and should be able to call up a forward for their next game and for the foreseeable future with Matt Boldy, Jared Spurgeon, and now it sounds like Alex Goligoski suffered an injury in practice sometime between that Toronto game and the Montreal game, so he didn't play. So. A lot of interesting kind of cap gymnastics they have to do. But Sarah also did a good job explaining how this is not unique to the NHL this season. A lot of teams pressed pretty hard up against the cap and that um, multiple teams have already had to play with, uh, with with one skater short in this season already, even though we're just at the start. So maybe helping me understand and maybe helping you understand that this is not something that is unique to the wild. This is just going to be a predicament, a challenge they're going to have to deal with at least early in the season, especially until some of these salaries accrue, until maybe they're able to get some, get a little bit more space as time goes on. <clears throat> and maybe, you know, maybe if they can save enough of it, be able to do some of the same kinds of things they did at last year's trade deadline and bolster their team that way um, to you know to kind of round out their playoff roster. So good stuff all around for the Wild. Good coverage by Sarah. And, uh, you know, maybe a lesson for me. Don't uh, don't get too caught up in the one of 82s because because uh, they will they will change your opinion quickly. Uh, let me just say that. And and they have in this case. Now, I'll have good reason to adhere to that advice when the wolves start their regular season in about a week but um, lord help me i'm starting to believe in this team again just based on preseason results based on looking at the rosters seeing how good their depth is Um, they won again another preseason game on um, on tuesday night haven't lost yet in the in the preseason. They've looked awfully good in, in these stretches. They've got a lot of capable players, a lot of capable big men. They didn't play any of their real top rotation players yesterday, but still got the win over... Maccabi Ranana on Tuesday. Team out of Israel and all sorts of obviously way more important things going on in the world and involving you know players with that team than basketball right now. But they did play that game at Target Center. The Wolves were able to come away with a pretty impressive win with their backups, largely uh, carrying the load. So what does this all mean for the big picture of the Wolves this season? I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself with the Wolves. You know, you've know, you looked at this team before and thought, hey, on paper, this team should be really good. And then something weird happens. There's an injury. There's underperformance. Um, their best player shows up and says he wants to be traded. That was the Jimmy Butler about four or five years ago. Um, Connelly Towns gets hurt. That was last year. So you can never bank on the expected with the Timberwolves but when you look at this roster you look at a team that looks like it has a bunch of professionals on it um and that's maybe a little bit of a difference from a year ago they've just they've added just a little bit extra professionalism to this roster and you know and 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 their, you know and their younger guys are a year older anthony edwards jaden mcdaniels guys that maybe were part of the issue last season when it came to coasting in some of those easier games that that produced, you know, that that hideous record against the worst teams in the NBA. If they can put together more professional efforts this season, you know, it's important to like grind out those wins against the bottom of the bottom half of the conference. It's Tuesday night. It's a road game. Nobody really wants to be there. You could you can easily drop that game if you're playing at Eighty percent focus. Can you at least get yourself up to ninety to ninety-five percent in those games to make sure you come away with like a one-eleven to one-zero four win? You know, it doesn't have to be pretty every single time. It'd be nice if some of them were were you know laughers where they didn't have to sweat it out. But there are going to be those games they have to grind out. Games that are tight in the fourth quarter that they're just going to have to win. They're going to have to buckle down and be able to make those three to five plays in the final five minutes and win. That's what I want to see from them this year. That will give me the confidence to say this is more than just looking at a roster and thinking they have the right you know a lot of the right pieces in place that this is a team that actually has the chemistry and has the maturity to win those games because as important as it is of course to beat the best it is a sign of growth to be able to beat the worst so that's what I'm going to be watching for this season with the wolves but I like what I see from the team so far I know it's preseason I know it's limited I think they've had a nice quiet off season despite my pleas to blow it up. Um they've had a nice quiet offseason and this is you know they probably know this is a very important telltale year in terms of what their future will look like if they're gonna keep this roster together or if they're gonna have to blow it up. So right now I like what I see, but uh, yeah, we'll 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 suspend future further judgment for the real thing in about a week from now.
1: Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope. The anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin.
0: Let's talk college football, go for football with Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune. Randy, uh, a much needed bye week this past week, maybe for you as much as the Gophers and Fleck, uh, PJ Fleck, right? Uh, just a kind of a, a mental and physical reset in the middle of the season.
1: Yeah, it sure was. I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I have having a little bit of time off, and uh, but I, I think for the team, it, it's uh, you know, it gave them a chance to kind of regroup after the the loss to Michigan, and uh, you know they're going uh, they got six games left basically uh this is their season though uh, uh they go to Iowa that's uh you know obviously a challenge where they haven't uh uh they been Iowa in six tries under uh PJ Fleck uh they haven't won in Iowa um since 1999 that was like a one in ten Iowa team um they've you know it's 10 ten losses in a row down at Kinnick uh, so yeah they got some extra time to to prepare for the Hawkeyes and uh Basically, heal too. They, you know, they've. Uh, I think they're optimistic about about getting a couple of players back. Uh, uh, they have. They won't. We won't know until game time. Um, a couple hours before game time, when the availability report comes out. But uh, running back Darius Taylor and linebacker Cody Lindenberg would be the two that uh, would help the most if they can uh, get get them back on the field.
0: How much do you? Th- how much of a factor are those two guys if they, you know, one or both are able to play on on Saturday in Iowa?
1: Well, Darius Taylor, so far he's proved there he's the Gophers' best running back. So that that's uh, very key for a team that likes to run the ball, likes to control the clock. Um, Cody Lindenberg, they've really missed him at, at linebacker. He hasn't played all season. Uh, appeared that he had uh, he was getting close to playing against uh, North Carolina, but sure seems like there was a setback there. Um, but yeah, they, they've had to rely on inexperienced guys. Uh, at linebacker and that's that's a key spot for
0: them especially with Cody's leadership so here we are they're three and three they've never beaten Iowa they haven't like you said haven't won in Iowa in almost a quarter of a century now this is this is quite the string quite the streak PJ Fleck has had way more success beating Wisconsin breaking through in that rivalry making that you know more more of a 50-50 game in recent years what is it about Iowa that has given the Gophers and Fleck in particular with a lot of these good teams they've had so much trouble?
1: Uh a lot it, it kind of varies each game but a, a lot a lot of time comes comes down to turnovers. Um you know last year you, you look at that game it looked like they're going to go go uh um, go ahead on with Mo Ibrahim uh, running the ball very effectively. Uh their all-American linebacker Jack Campbell knocks the ball out of Mo's hands, you know that that just turns the tide Iowa ends up uh, pulling on a 13-10 win. Uh, two years ago down at um, down in Iowa City, Gophers, they lose 27-22. They outgain uh, the Hawkeyes by a big margin. Uh Hawkeyes win on a couple big plays, uh, big explosive plays. That's, you know, one area they're really going to have to limit. It's just been, um, you know, yeah, a thing here or there that, that sucked the gophers and had they beaten them in 19 and had, had they beaten them in 21
0: they would have been playing in the uh, big 10 championship game i was gonna say iowa has ruined seasons is not the right way to say it because those were still really good gopher seasons but iowa in those two cases in particular has stood between a really good season and like you said playing for a big 10 championship where you know i don't know if they're competitive necessarily in those games but that's a program marker if you can get to the big 10 championship game and iowa has stopped them from doing that
1: yeah that's, that's they've been the a thorn in the gopher side you know the gophers have done a good job on under fleck and in, in reversing the the course against wisconsin they've, they've won two in a row and uh, three of the past five so you know that that ser- series is is a lot more uh competitive now yeah they and against iowa they a lot of times they've been close games it's just Dude, they've been on the wrong uh, end in, in the key moments.
0: Yeah, that's it's a good way to put it. I mean, I think that the 2019 game in particular stands out as a, a frustrating one for, for Gophers fans because, again, that was an 11-win team, but they still couldn't quite get over that hump towards the end of that season. Now, this year is completely different. They're 3-3 three and three right now. Um, the Big Ten West... Is still available to a degree only because the Big Ten West hasn't been all that impressive to say the least. But um, Randy, I gotta call something to your attention. This is from ESPN this this week. Um, this is a kind of a midseason report kind of looking at the five you know, a lot of different categories, but the five most disappointing teams in college football. They list Alabama, Boise State, Arkansas, Baylor, and Minnesota. The sentence saying after going nine and four with an SP plus top twenty finish each of the last two seasons SP plus is kind of like their their mm-hmm. version of like college DVOA so basically saying that in all the metrics and kind of the power you know looking inside the numbers they were a top twenty team the last two years the Gophers seem to have the pieces to at least threaten in a pretty weak Big Ten West instead they're three and three having been blown out by two top fifty opponents North Carolina and Michigan beat them by a combined eighty three twenty three and even more damning. They blew a lead and lost to a Northwestern team that barely beat Howard in week six. I don't think I can disagree with any of this. I would say we'd probably be talking about this season a lot differently if not for that one quarter, but that one quarter did happen.
1: Oh, yeah. That that, that loss at Northwestern, you know, they're up twice, up 20, 21 points. Uh, they're up 21 uh, points going into the fourth quarter. And they lost. They, they they blow that lead and lose in overtime, and they do it without having any turnovers in in that time either. Which was, I, I it's tough to figure out how that how that happened, but uh, uh, yeah, they just uh, stopped stopped playing effectively on offense, defense, and special teams in that one. They all contributed to that loss, and that thing's kind of hanging hanging around their neck like like a weight right now. It, it's you know if we if they w- hold on and win that game, okay, it wasn't pretty, but then. You know, they're they're set a four and two and two and one in the Big Ten instead of one and two. Um right right now their path uh to a uh, contending for the Big Ten West Idol is basically like uh, you gotta start with a win in Iowa. Um uh then you pretty much need to either run the table, which very difficult with without that Ohio State game on there. But if not that, okay, lo- lose only once, lose only to the Buckeyes, and then hope you get in, in a tie with three losses. Um, it, in a way, it helped that um, the uh, that Iowa beat Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin still has to play Ohio State, I believe it is, and then they play the Gophers. Um, you know, the Gophers, if they beat Iowa, they would need the Hawkeyes to lose once more along the way. And Iowa has a pretty easy schedule going forward, but there is a path to get there. It's not an easy path, and that they they will. Their only way they could they could make it a, uh control their own destiny if they went out and that's going to be very difficult with uh, with a team like Ohio State on the schedule.
0: I'm kind of torn on whether characterizing them as one of the five most disappointing teams is is accurate or fair or not. I, I mean, it seems it seems logical, but I also I also didn't have great expectations for this team just because I knew they were missing a lot of pieces starting over at, at quarterback even if even if Ethan Kalkman has had some nice moments last year. What do you th- where uh, what do you think about calling them that big of a disappointment?
1: Oh I you know I think it's I, I think it had what it has to start with what the writer what the writer thought their their ceiling was. What what he yeah. expected out of them. Yeah I don't I don't you know to me they're one game off what their record should be, should had, had they played up to their potential. Um I you know, the the downside is they, you know, they were not competitive at all against Michigan and they made enough mistakes uh at North Carolina uh to make it a 31-13 game. Um so yeah, they they haven't um you know I guess they haven't been impressive. Uh
0: they yeah, you know I think that's fair.
1: They, they you know they were it, they did had a nice comeback and pulling off the win against Nebraska in the opener um wins over uh eastern Michigan and Louisiana were fine there there was nothing wrong with them it it they weren't the most uh you know it they're, they're not conference schedule uh in those two games weren't wasn't the most ambitious obviously North carolina that was that was a difficult trip um yeah they but they stubbed their toll on the on the one game that they really needed to, to Give themselves a chance to be uh, right in the mix at this point of, of the season in, in the West. Right now, they're they're chasing uh, teams ahead of them.
0: Yeah, I guess if anything, it tells me what some of the national perception was of them at least. And this is Bill Connolly, ESPN writer. So you know, it tells me what other people were thinking about them and kind of maybe what's expected of a team that's won nine, nine, and eleven games each of the last three. Full seasons. Like, I guess you would want to think that's a team that's ready to be a perennial eight to 10 win team. But, you know, I don't know if that matched the reality of this season.
1: I, you know, I don't. Yeah. I, I, the thing is that they did lose quite a bit from, from the last year's team. You, you lost an All America running back and Muhammad Ibrahim. You lost All America center and John Michael Schmitz. Um, you lost a couple in a NFL uh, uh, defensive backs. And uh, Terrell Smith and Jordan Howden, um, yeah. So it, it's there. There were some big losses that uh, you know. It's it's not necessary plug and play and, and quarterback too. you know for you know all, all of Tanner's uh, fault, Tanner Morgan's faults last couple of years. He was a guy who held that job down for for quite a while, you know, yeah. four years. Um, uh, you know he you know, had a, had a great year in uh, 2019 with the 30 touchdown passes when he had two great receivers to pass to it. it's came back a little bit, you know, quite a bit to the earth and the other t- since then. But uh, you know he he was still you know not somebody who was you know I don't think they necessarily had a plug and play replacement that was going to you know Ethan was going to have to uh, learn on learn on the job.
0: Given that, is there one player they missed the most from? last year's team, which was still a nine-win team?
1: Oh, boy. Who would, would I say there? I mean, and, and, and maybe maybe it's a simple fact that it's Cody Lindenberg, not not in the middle yeah. there. Uh, he was he was their leading returning tackler from last year. Uh, he, he played pretty much, uh, you know, every game there with uh, Mariano Sorimer, and, uh, you know, they've formed a pretty decent uh, duo. Uh, Cody, you know, uh, very, very good speed, and uh, that's something I think they – they have the between the speed and the instincts and, and just the, the leadership, they, they do miss that quite a bit in the middle.
0: Iowa is dead last, I believe, in offense in FBS, and yet they're still a ranked team um in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. It seems like the the simple formula, if it is simple, is just score enough points to to beat them because they're probably not going to put up you know, more than something in the teens unless something goes haywire. What what to you though is the formula here to beat them on Saturday?
1: Uh yeah. You, you know, you have to uh take advantage when you get in the red zone. That's been something that's hurt the gophers where where they've had to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. Um that's where, you know, Iowa makes you uh string together a lot of plays to to finish drives. Um, look at uh, Penn State. Penn State beat them thirty-one nothing, but Penn State had ninety offensive plays in that game. Wow! So it wasn't like they were running up and down the field on, on big plays. You know, they had to they had to work for it. Um, and uh, you know, Iowa is so opportunistic on special teams too. They have got a great punter, and Tory uh, Taylor averages just short of fifty yards. You know, their motto down there is is <laughs> punting is winning.
0: Um, you know, so they, they like to pin That's such a motto for this Iowa team. Punting is winning.
1: Yeah. And then now just, just today, uh, they're, they're one of their best, uh, weapons on offense, tight end, Eric, all the transfer from Michigan. uh yeah, he's out for the season with a torn ACL. So, you yeah, know, they have a little bit fewer weapons now. So it's, you know, they're, if you can somehow get a couple touchdowns on them, you know, you have a chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it, but that's you know, points have been hard to come by. What last year's score was thirteen ten, right? I mean, it's it's not, it's not easy to 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 move the ball or put up points. I mean, what was last week's score with Iowa and Wisconsin, fifteen to six? I mean, fifteen to six, yeah. Not and, you a know, not a pleasing game to watch. Yeah,
1: the over under uh, I believe is thirty one and a half this week. It, it, it was it was uh, a thirty three and a half last week between Wisconsin and Iowa. And it the under came in
0: easily, yeah, easily, yeah. I guess I it just feels like a, we make grand statements here, you know, on this show and in the media about the kind of program defining moments, stuff like that. But it, it does feel like if you're going to change the narrative of not just this season, but kind of how this has gone against Iowa, like this is an opportunity. But it's also like if you lose this game, doesn't feel like this season has a lot of, you know, not a lot of great opportunity left in it.
1: Yeah, if you lose this game, you're, you're you know you're you'll be um, you have know, five games left. You'll need to win three just to get the bowl eligibility. I mean, there there is a path there to that, but you know I I don't think people went into the season looking at six and six as as something of of, of something that positive at all. I mean, you know I you know I think they need to uh, you know, knock off a team like Iowa. Yeah, they're ranked, but they're, it's not like they're a, a juggernaut. Um, you know this this is this is a not yeah. Uh, PJ Flex said, "It's not, the schedule is, is opportunistic, not necessarily
0: difficult. Well, here, here's your opportunity. You, you got to take it one of these times. Have you started looking into Christmas flights to Detroit yet?
1: Uh not, no, not yet. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing there is that um, uh, the Gophers are the last Big Ten team to have played in that bowl game. Okay, uh, in 2018, because." It's it's been a situation where they, the Big Ten has hasn't had the number of teams to fill uh, the last two or three t- times. So basically, um, it, it, there there'd be a chance where they wouldn't be assigned there if they don't want you know if, they, if their goal if the Bulls' goal and the in the Big Ten's goal is to have teams moved around. So. You know, you, you maybe might be looking at something something different there if they think, if they're saying they're a six and six team, if they would somehow get to seven wins. They'd they'd have a much better chance at getting to say a um, a Las Vegas Bowl or a Music City Bowl, which I would say the fan base would consider either of those two destinations much preferable
0: to Detroit on the day after Christmas. I would think so. Was that was the last time they played there? Were they five and seven that year? or Was that a different season that I'm? No, that was of?
1: 2018. They no. they. Um, they had they had beaten Wisconsin okay, uh, okay. to get to get the axe and gain bowl eligibility. Then they uh, they beat Georgia Tech in Detroit to get right. to seven and six. Go. That was uh PJ Flex's second year on the job.
0: Okay. There you go. I know I feel like there was one year they went to a bowl game even though they were five and seven.
1: Yeah, that was that was in two thousand fifteen. Fifteen,
0: okay. Where that they was... went
1: to Detroit uh as it was a five and seven team <laughs> uh got in because of their academic progress rating. That's right. That's right. Beat Central Michigan, and I think it was it was like in a 14-7 or 17-14 game. Yeah. Well, some, type of, some type of barn burner there.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully we don't have to talk too much about quick lane ball history. 21-14. Maybe the, What's that? So, 21-14. 21-14. Yeah, I think Royce complained about that game before. It was not a, not a scintillating performance. Maybe this one on Saturday will exceed our aesthetic expectations, but regardless, it's a big one. Um, Randy Johnson, appreciate it. Follow his coverage on Saturday and beyond. And we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks a lot. Good stuff from Randy as always. Um, Yeah, just a, just just a disappointing year so far for the Gophers and, you know, still plenty of football left to be played opportunities out there, including Saturday, kind of liken it to the Viking season where you look at one game And you just wonder if they're going to be chasing it for the entire season. For the Gophers, obviously, it was that Northwestern game, that lead they gave up in the fourth quarter. I think for the Vikings, that game they're chasing is still the very first one from the start of the year against Tampa Bay, just kind of set a tone for the whole year. I know Tampa Bay's maybe been a little bit better than we thought. They're kind of a middle of the pack team as well, not a not a bottom of the conference team, but losing that first home game, and now they haven't won a home game all year. Their home losing streak stretching back to that Giants playoff game is four games. That's a lot of games to lose in a row at home. And now their next one is San Francisco on Monday night. So both these teams, an opportunity to make a statement this weekend to reverse The trend of the early going so far, I don't think either one of these teams will be anywhere close to favored in these games, but I would give each of them a chance in those games. And can the Gophers change the narrative of their season? Can they get back in the Big Ten West race? If they're going to, they have to win this game. We'll see if they can do it. And I'll probably talk... Even more about both those teams later in the week on a show with Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins. That's probably going to be Friday's show, but still kind of sorting some other stuff out. The other show this week will feature Jerry Zagoda talking about Minnesota United, that team playing Sporting Kansas City on Saturday, decision day. Win, and it's likely the the Loons will get into the playoffs. Lose or draw, they're definitely out. Even if they win, they need help from one of three teams. Uh, one of three teams needs to either lose or draw for them to get in if they beat Sporting Kansas City on uh, on Saturday. So a lot to play for still at the end of the season for the Loons. That's the final regular season game, even after firing head coach Adrian Heath before their previous before their penultimate match against the LA Galaxy. So we'll see if they are still able to get into the playoffs. Expanded this year in Major League Soccer to nine teams. There's an 8-9 wild card game that they would probably be in if they got into the playoffs, but we will see if they get in. Speaking of we will see, let's finish with the cooler. Is this the end of Falveen? Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. I don't know. Um, the Red Sox apparently are interested in uh, in in both guys, actually. Um, but uh, Derek Falvey, Twins' uh, chief baseball officer, has de- declined to interview for a vacancy atop that ecosystem in Boston. But it sounds like Thad Levine, the Twins' GM, is has interviewed already and is a candidate out there in Boston. So. We'll see. They've been joined together since they arrived in Minnesota in 2016. I can't find perfect evidence of this, but I believe I was the first one to call them Falvine, at least in print. That was like December of 2016. I think I called them Thadrick Falvine at that point. Um, and that's become kind of a term to describe this kind of partnership. Now, this partnership, though, while still a partnership for these past seven seasons, has felt like it has... Evolved over time. Uh, we used to see a lot more of Thad Levine at news conferences. Um, he was quoted almost as often as Derek Falvey. They kind of seemed like they were joint decision makers. And while I'm sure Levine still has some input in day to day and big picture planning, it definitely seems like Derek Falvey has become more of that single voice with the twins. So you do wonder if some of that has anything to do with him being interested in perhaps pursuing something else. I don't know. Maybe it's just a good opportunity, and he has to listen to it. I don't know, but to me, it seems like this partnership has he has evolved over time, and that it's more of the Derek Falvey show and not the not the uh, Thadrick Falvine show and maybe that has something to do with what we're seeing right now with Boston. We'll see. We'll see if anything comes of it or if the partnership, the band, stays together for another season and beyond in 2024. That will do it for me today. Like I said, lots of good stuff coming up later this week. Jerry Zagoda probably on tomorrow's show. Chip Scoggins likely on Friday show. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Enjoy your day. Back at it again tomorrow.